Hi, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Boundaries, a group relations podcast sponsored by Group Relations International. Today, I'm here with Rod Smith, Amber Williams, Manny Mullen, and myself, Lauren Levy, to cover another group relations related topic. Um, This is an idea that Rod had come up with kind of in conjunction with some of our other ideas. Uh, So Rod, I'll throw it to you to kind of give us our intro. Oh, well, thank you for that handoff. Um, And just to check that a little bit, it wasn't just my idea. It was uh, our collective ideas. We were bouncing ideas off of each other and just sort of synthesize things. So one of the things in group relations, at least as I'm sort of thinking about it and conceptualizing it here, is that uh, there's a lot of conversations that are looking at, you know, very specific themes, um, whether we're talking about race, whether we're talking about gender, whether we're talking about LGBTQ. And what happens in these conversations is that they become uh, binary. It's either one side or the other. Uh, it's either a white conversation or a black one. It's either a U.S.-centric one or it's a um, international from the U.S. perspective. It's either man or it's woman. It's it's one or the other. Um, and while that's useful, you know, in, in a general conversation, uh, one of the things that that has really been kind of coming up and picking up steam is like, well, what happens in that space in between? And, and we hear it termed as non-binary. Um, and you know, in group relations experiences, you know, the, the, the term non-binary will come up, but it, it and that'll be the end of it. It won't necessarily be explored further on what exactly that means. And so in the context of what we're trying to get to today and then what we'll be talking about and expanding upon is looking at these different boundaries uh, that we might have. And but instead of looking at them in a binary way, looking at what's going on in that space in between. Uh, and in those in-between spaces, I, I think there's a lot there around some nuances in conversations that we could have um, in those spaces. So hopefully that's enough to kind of get us going. And as we're thinking about things bigger and in terms of the larger system that's going on here uh, within group relations and the, the world in general, uh, calls around social justice. So something around this idea of looking at these non-binary conversations and how they can provide nuance and impact calls for social justice. So hopefully that's enough for us to kind of build upon. Yeah, thanks so much for that, Rod. I feel like um, part of this came up over like a conversation that um, Amber and I have had frequently over the years and was reignited for me as well at a recent training, actually the one I was talking about in the last episode, one of the um, like trainers on staff or consultants on staff was um, really emphasizing this way of thinking about boundaries in a different kind of way and emphasizing that there is so much more nuance when we can have fluidity um, among in ourselves and express that. And then when we can also honor and acknowledge the nuance within each other, it's a much more fulfilling and um, like meaningful way of connecting across difference and similarities. And just from some of the experiences that I've had 
um, in group relations spaces, talking to people who in a more traditional form identify as non-binary, which like Amber, I'm curious your perspective on this because we've never like personally talked about how this plays out for you in a group relations space. But I've talked to a few people who don't, for instance, as you were talking about, Rod, just identify um, as man or woman, but utilize different pronouns and ways of identifying themselves. And I've heard a common theme of them feeling kind of ostracized in group relations spaces and like their identities can't be held. And in similar ways, I think along the race conversation as you were bringing up, and even again, what was talked about in our last episode, when it's not a black and white conversation in the United States, people of other identities are often left out of the conversation or erased or their experience is kind of minimized in one way or another. And I think that it's really important to have a conversation about how we can start shifting our mindset in this kind of microcosm that group relations spaces are so that in the real world, we can also work on holding people's nuances a little bit better because I don't think we're doing a very good job of doing that right now. Lauren, you said, I don't think we are doing a very good job. When you say we, what is, can you talk more a little bit about what the we looks like? Humans and group relations practitioners also. I think, you know, at least from the GRI perspective, a huge piece of group relations work is social justice work. But I think a shortcoming that we all have to work for, no matter what, you know, organization you align yourself with within the group relations space, if social justice is a piece that you believe is a part of this, you can't do very strong social justice work unless you're acknowledging and celebrating or bringing about a conversation, even if it's a difficult one, that encompasses all of the nuances rather than just throwing into space, well, what about non-binary folks? Or like, what about mixed race folks? Or what about people from seven different countries, you know, rather than just like maintaining the really kind of specific boxes that we typically flow into when we start talking about our identities and how we identify ourselves. I think just real quick, I'll, I'll just offer an example to kind of, you know, further anchor the conversation, at least from my own perspective. And I'll talk about it from the perspective of race, you know, because for me, that's the most, you know, salient one. But then, you know, there's a gender element to this as well for me. But from the perspective of race, you know, so I, I clearly, you know, physically identify and align with Black, you know, being an African-American. And so there are, there are a lot of experiences within that, you know, that, you know, we, we hear in the mainstream media, we, we hear them in group relations conferences, you know, we hear them, you know, pick a debate, pick a, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, seminar, and, and you'll hear, you know, th those themes come up. But where I find that, that, that it's, it's challenging, and for me, where this, you know, in between the spaces occurs is that even though in this physical form, I, I am I'm Black, African-American, I grew up in a predominantly white environment. My education, you know, were, were from predominantly um, white people. Um, and they are, in fact, people that I genuinely love a lot, quite a bit. You know, I grew up with them. Um, and, and some of them I'm still talking about today and then the ones that I'm not talking to directly you know, I'm asking questions about them, you know, constantly, how they're doing, how are their families, how are their brothers, how are their sisters, and so forth. 
And so when we get into some of these conversations that can get really, you know, contested and it becomes a white, black, you know, binary, if you will, I find myself literally in the middle going, I see both sides. I hear what you're saying. I'm listening to it through this white lens or I hear what you're saying and I'm listening to it through this black lens. And there are, you know, some things that we could probably talk about, you know, in the, in the middle there. And, and there's a lot of tension um, in holding that. And, you know, if you speak one way too much, then, you know, you'll you become, you know, kind of a uh, scapegoat, you know, for one group or the other, but no. So anyway, so I just wanted to offer that as a, you know, as a piece, you know, in, in this conversation to bring in, you know, others in the, bring others into the discussion. Um, I can join uh, with that um, on the like gender non-binary side of the house. I guess Lauren had asked a while back about my experience in women's relations conferences. Um, I feel like it mostly shows up with attraction, I guess. Um, I know at the last conference I was on staff for, um, a lot of the people talked about like, even the gay men, there being some attraction towards me and way that I show up in this like non-binary type of way. Um, and like, just, I guess people not knowing where to place me so I could fit into, I guess, any of the attraction categories if they want to see the more feminine parts of me or the more masculine parts of me or the androgynous parts of me. Um, but one thing I think connecting to what Rob was saying um, around being non-binary racially, um, I was in foster care for the first three years of my life and through those three years, I was with white families, two different white families. Um, and so for me, there's like very much of like a sentient uh, leniency over to like white spaces and white communities, even though like as a also a black person and someone who I like to say is like very social justice minded, um, I tend to, from a logical standpoint, be more on the side of like understanding the black struggle, fighting for consciously um, the freedom of my people, but also like people are often surprised by the way that I'm still able to have emotional connections to white people with that like logical, like mental militancy. Um, and I feel like that shows up from that experience playing out in my like adult life. So that's something that I constantly think about, like how um, my memories that are like not with me consciously, but are very much like in my body and in my being have shaped the way that I approach relationships with different people um, in different ways. So. You know, <clears throat> for me, it was, it's, it's been an interesting journey when learning about non-binary identities. Um, and I struggled with it and I think I still struggle with it. Um, I struggled with it because it wasn't, it was so new to me as if the non-binary identity could never exist or as if it never did exist just because I didn't know about it. And, um, when I, when I started hearing more about it, it was in the group conferences, group relations conferences spaces, um, and just in classroom spaces and you, you know, similar to Rod, I kind of was born and raised only knowing binary, you know? Um, and so a lot of that plays out into my ignorance because I, you know, the non-binary identities wasn't normal to me in terms of quote unquote, what my normal was of gender identity. 
Um, and so I had to learn, so I had to unlearn all that. And I'm still unlearning all that. You know, the, the biggest thing, um, you know, when we were on the call on Zoom, you know, Amber's pronouns are they, she. And so we were having this conversation about non-binary. And in that whole experience, I just kind of, I disregarded Amber with that identity because pronouns, you know, read she. And so for me, I was like, well, if, if, if she is there, then doesn't that supersede being non-binary because you're identifying with one gender over any of the genders. And so, um, in that moment, I was really left kind of confused. And I, and in that confusion, I kind of invalidated um, Amber's identity. Now, that's my assumption. That's my projection. Um, and I, I remember having a conversation with Amber about it. Uh, but I, I think for me, it's as simple as that is where the confusion and kind of the, the place of doing this social justice work if you're not necessarily doing the social justice work, how do you still approach people with non-binary identities? Because I think there are some people who may not look at the social justice work as something that they could they can do or that they're even part of that work. And yet, how do you still acknowledge, you know, these identities? And so those are kind of the questions that I would like to impose onto the group, you know, in my learning and hopefully, you know, in the learning of our listeners as well. well yeah. Think, uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think group relations conferences give us an opportunity to explore with all these things, like where it's not, well, if you're good, talking about GRI, we will say that, yes, social justice is a part of it. If you talk to some others, maybe not so much. Um, but you don't have to be a social justice aware person to be able to have a conversation with somebody that is different than you. And I think group relations conferences give you a temporary system to try out having those conversations across the divides um, to learn and to understand the social end. Um, and as we see too here, like these conversations outside of the conference space, beyond the boundaries of the conference space, um, also give us an opportunity to do that as well. So I think just opening yourself and being available to create bridges um, and learn and take things in, like that's the most you need to do like I'm not outside doing too much LGBTQ advocacy um and yet I still because I'm having conversations with other people that have different identities that are also in the community um or similar things like with race wise like I build relationships with people of various races and that's how I've learned things over time um as well as taking the time out to maybe educate myself as well or show up to actions or things like that so I don't think it needs to be just a one-way road to learning and understanding. Um, I think it's like multiple ways and multiple avenues that you can access these things and relations being a great place to do that. Yeah, uh, building on that, um, you know, I think, you know, the answer to your question, Manny, you know, kind of really brings up, I, I think, a, a deeper and a broader question about, you know, well, why this is even needed and, you know, how are these, you know, you know, this dynamic, when I say dynamic, but how the non-binary shows up uh, today. And, uh, you know, the, one of the great things about group relations conferences in general is that, you know, they allow you to think about or to explore what's going on inside of you. And so if we were to talk about, 
you know, um, Wells's five levels of analysis, right? You have the personal, the interpersonal, the group, inner group, and then organizational levels. If we start all the way at the personal level, you know, that's where I begin uh, to find my answer to your question about, you know, one, why is this needed and, and how things show up today? And I think on a personal level for me, you know, I mentioned that there is a gender component to this for me as well. So growing up in the environment that I grew up in, uh, it was very conservative. There were things that uh, boys did and there were things that girls did. There were things that men did and there were things that women did. And one of the things that I did uh, that I, you know, was socialized as thinking that it was totally a girl thing to do was writing poems. Writing poems is where I explore my emotions, is where I explore my thinking, my thoughts, and then in some ways kind of how I check in with myself and how I'm able to relate to other people. Um, and for a long time, it was kind of where I learned how to communicate. I mean, it's just what it was. But because I had identified it as a girl thing and grew up with it as a strictly girl thing, uh, and it was something that boys didn't do. That was one part of myself that I rarely have brought to a conversation to help understand what's going on in a particular moment. And, you know, it comes out more, you know, with the group relations experiences that I've had, where I will bring that into, you know, my thinking or my analysis, you know, of what's happening or what's going on. But it's generally is not something that I lead with. Um, and so what I would offer, you know, kind of as a bottom line of like how this shows up today and why it's needed is that, you know, we're at a time in human history, I would offer, where all parts of what we have to offer as an individual are needed to help solve the problems of the day. And so if we are in my circles, if I'm looking at things purely as a numbers and looking at them logically as what guys and boys and men are to do, um, I would totally miss the affective spaces um, because I would be denying that within myself and then I would deny that in my expression with people and I would deny that in conversations. And so it's a way of killing off ourselves, if you will, mm -hmm. or parts of ourselves. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really powerful what you just shared, Rod, and I think when I think about this conversation, I think how important it is, like you were saying, to expand it outside of the social justice box. This is just like, it's about building bridges with humans. And that's what, at the end of the day, I would argue group relations spaces are for. And if you're coming from like a spiritual space, like of connectivity, building bridges between humans and living this human experience together is what we're all here for. And I think that, you know, for me, even when I think of this conversation, I realize like how in boxes I keep myself all the time. Like at a recent conference, someone told me that I seemed really guarded. And it was like such a confusing thing for me to hear because I don't experience myself as being guarded. But the more I have like conversations recently, I'm realizing that perhaps I really am. And I had a really difficult conversation with someone else who does group relations work recently. And she was talking to me about like 
like the white supremacist in me and how I was enacting that in this certain space that we were in a group relations space. And she was saying like, I wish you would bring other pieces of yourself forward rather than just like always talking about like your privilege um, and stuff like that. And I think for me, sometimes it's hard to talk about like those more nuanced pieces of myself, but a few, one thing I guess that's come to mind that like, I don't usually talk about, but I've tried to start talking about more is like my own mental health struggles over the years. And I think like as a mental health professional, people might assume like, oh, Lauren's good or oh, Lauren has this or that in her life. So she must be good and everything's shiny and perfect and nothing's ever faced her, you know, but in reality, like I've struggled a lot with mental health issues from the time that I was really young and feels like scary to share about that here on like an open platform but I think like it's important because as you were saying Rod there's areas of our um there's areas of ourself that could lead to I think some of the greatest steps of connectivity if they weren't so stigmatized to talk about and I've thought about that in GR spaces a lot even beyond like mental health or depression anxiety um are two things that I've experienced for instance but um, I think there's a lot of layers that just get missed. And then those projections that we get become so painful, but we've become so guarded that it's hard to share um, about who we really are and our nuance. And I wish there was more space to do that in these spaces and beyond. Yeah, I can join with you, uh, Lauren, and thanks for being vulnerable and, and daring to share that um, with us. But at the most recent conference I was at, um, that actually you were on staff for, and I was in the membership for, um, in my small group, uh, we talked a lot about how at the beginning, maybe first half hour to 40 minutes of our first small group, like we were just having like conversation about all types of random things related to, you know, the theme of the conference, of course. Um, and kind of like where we fall in it, how we're entering in it, some of the unspoken, or I guess they were spoken, but the connections that maybe people wouldn't have known existed if we had named them for the group. And just like really, I think, getting into a nice groove as a small group and um, building trust and doing all that jazz. And then immediately in the middle of that, someone's like, I want to know why we haven't talked about the fact that you know, how many Black people are in the room or the fact that our consultant is like a person of color and like basically just like it's so easy to resort back to those like binary, simplistic conversations that are easy to have because even if they're uncomfortable, they're like the comfortable, uncomfortable that we have done for since the beginning of this country's existence and probably before that. And it was just like so frustrating because it's like, damn, like we were actually doing something different and like having conversations about stuff that I wouldn't typically have a conversation with somebody about um, necessarily uh, outside of this space. And we had this opportunity to do something different. And now the group is still pulling to do the same thing. And it ended up kind of going down that trajectory for the better part of the rest of the small group. And so, as you know, at the end of the small group and the second time, all hell broke loose um, because I was tired of it. So it's just, yeah, it's just crazy. Um, so I kind of like basically wanted to say like, it's not necessarily just your fault. Like we study groups and groups have patterns that are comfortable to them. And as an American society, and most of the time the conferences or spaces that we're in are with American folks or an American uh, majority folks. 
um, that you're going to see those same patterns come up over and over and over again. And it just takes a lot of energy and time to like really decide that like, no, I'm not going to continue to play into that. Like, I remember um, one of the like older people in group relations, like, I'm always going to be able to do my work. <laughs> like, I can't speak for other people. And like, that's typically been my philosophy, even before I got into group relations, like just always being someone that's like, yeah, that might be what's typical, but like, I'm going to do what feels good and right for me. Um, and I think like in these spaces, if we know that like this is the much more rich texture that you're going to get from doing the not usual path, then like you have to be willing to bring the group there and hope that they'll follow uh, with you. But if not, at least you stepped out there and created a path for yourself to be able to do your work and walk away feeling um, more fulfilled and more open and more available to what the world has to offer you. So. Yeah. So, I mean, like, even in this conversation, you know, I'll, I'll join with you, Lauren, about, you know, the mental health issues and, and things like that. I mean, th I think this is one of those nuances that we can get into um, if we're willing to go, you know, to bring ourselves to the mix. And so, you know, I don't mind joining with you, you know, in this space around uh, that, you know, something I struggle with. Um, even. And so, I mean, it, it's, there's a lot there that goes beyond just, oh, you're white, I'm black, or you're a woman, I'm man. Oh, you're a young person, you're an old person. Oh, you got a PhD, you got a master's, or you went to school here, I went to school there. I mean, it sounds like a really bad rap song. But anyway, <laughs> but, the, uh, but the point though is, is that if we could ever get to those spaces, right? Um, and to your point, um, Amber, it's tough to get there. And I, I, I don't want to under, understate, you know, the, the, the tension, you know, that, that these spaces can hold. But if you, but if we can effectively get there and hold those spaces, I would offer that, you know, this is also where those creative solutions begin to emerge as well because more parts of ourselves show up and then we can join in different ways that we can actually have different answers. And so I would just say for me and my experiences with group relations from the U.S. perspective, you know, I get a lot of value in attending, you know, conversations or group relations spaces that have a highly international at least they appear to have an international, uh, strong international uh, um, mix to them, essence to them, perspectives with them. Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot in that, but you know, I'll just stop there. I'm I'm wondering what happened to Manny. I feel like Manny's in a deep thought right now. Yeah, and he's about no, to thanks for inviting me. And I, you know, I was listening to a lot of points made. Um, and so we talked about privilege. We, we, I also heard that it didn't come out this way, but it sounded to me like compartmentalizing, right? So when you are in these spaces and you're, let's say you're a deliverer of this work or you're creating the space for this work, there's, in my experience, when you're, when you're in the middle of the work, um, I guess in order to, be effective in the work, you kind of, well, no, that's not true. I guess what I'm trying to get through is figuring out, do you need to compartmentalize 
parts of ourselves because that's what it sounded like was happening. It's like people are coming in, they're only showing one piece of their identity, right? And so maybe how someone sees it as you, you know, um, blocking off certain parts of yourself that you're not bringing into the space, maybe that blocking off is you just compartmentalizing or something's being compartmentalized. And in that same token, it, if you are someone who's doing this work, you're doing it with other people, do you have to compartmentalize your biases in order to get through the work without your biases taking over the tone of the environment, taking over the tone of how people are taking the content of the work in? Um, because otherwise, when I bring all myself into a situation where I'm helping others do their work, I find that my tone can be a little aggressive unconsciously. And that's because I haven't compartmentalized maybe where I'm at with my own work. And so I think sometimes that can happen when people come across each other and they're trying to put, they're trying to, you know, get across these points and in it, they kind of get lost in their own selves. And so it makes it harder for anything to work out from a conversation. Some people end up leaving upset or just kind of, I didn't take anything from that. And so I'm, I was just bringing that up to, to see, like, uh -huh. in this work, is that what's going on, like, as, as far as compartmentalizing goes? That's interesting. You want to go, Rob? Well, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I made him, I, it seems like I misread that. I thought he was going to bless us with some insight, and he blessed us with another question. <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> good job, Manny. Um, you know, Manny, I, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of take what you're sharing there and, and kind of raise it up into, you know, how this shows up in, um, you know, we talked about wells and the different levels, right? Around the personal, interpersonal, group, group to group, organizational levels that wells talks about. And so I'll, I'll answer your question, bringing it into, bringing that into the mix, into this sort of international space, um, uh, and just how they are layered. So one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, compartmentalizing. So when I hear that piece about compartmentalizing, what we really are talking about are boundaries, right? We're talking about boundaries and whether those boundaries are rigid and solid or if those boundaries are permeable. And so when we started to have this conversation around non-binary, I would offer that what we're speaking about is the space in between boundaries or we're talking about boundaries that are more permeable and, and what goes on within that process. Um, and, and it's not to say that they aren't exclusive or whatever, but uh, when I say that boundaries are more permeable, that's where I'm talking about, hey, we're opening up about something. And when I talk about the in-between spaces, we're, we're talking what we're talking about right now. It's not black, white, but it's whatever that is in between those two, okay? And so when you start talking about biases, in this context, what I would offer, and this isn't anything that's written down anywhere, but just comes from just experiences that I've had. And when people operate from these biases, you're talking about, you know, a particular thought or a particular way of being that is tightly bounded. Mm -hmm. And people aren't really, aren't willing to move off of those biases. They aren't really willing to open up that boundary or to look at what's beyond that boundary. No pun intended, but I'll throw it out there. 
<laughs> but the uh, and so when you start looking at it in that context, you know, there are levels to this. So if it's occurring within us on an individual level by group processes and with projections and how that works and who we identify with is going to show up in the groups that we belong to. And those groups are going to show up, you know, it's going to identify, you know, things that happen on the interpersonal level with folks and they'll show up in the groups. Then it has this really funny way of showing up in the region of the world you're from. Um, and, and that's where I would offer to you, um, you know, this sort of a bridge, if you will, that what is happening beyond us is also happening within us as well, which is one of those paradoxes, if you will, that group relations tends to go after in our conference space of that anyway. That makes me think of like how important it is to remember like the group relations idea of like the field and the field within which we're working because like the way we show up in these spaces is a direct representation of how our society teaches us to show up with boundaries and biases and all these sort of things. And I think Rod tying back to the international piece, at least from my experience, it is cool to be in international spaces because when we're here in like my environment, like when I'm here in my environment in the U S that's my reality. So it's hard to, remember sometimes even though you know I've gotten to travel lots of places in my life that other people's reality is very different and their conversations are different and what they want to talk about is different and what they prioritize putting forward is different and it's kind of like a reality check that there's like more out there than just us that like egocentric kind of mindset but what also comes to me when you're saying this is like someone at the last um one day GR workshop that I was on staff for the one that Amber was just talking about was saying, you know, social justice issues are about people, not about structures at the end of the day, because the structures are made up of people. And I think that when we remember that, it's like, it, it reminds me that when I say that I think we don't do a good job, what my intuition is telling me is like, well, if you want it to be different, like I have you, I have to show up in a more vulnerable and different way um, in group relation spaces and in life. So I'm really like thinking about that. And I also think it's interesting because kind of Manny, what you were just asking ties directly to Amber, what you were sharing at this workshop, what the comment that you made at the end, at the end about like, I'm paraphrasing and hopefully you don't mind that I'm sharing this, but you said something like, um, if I like show up in my fullness, does that mean someone else has to be like not killed off, but eliminated or like we can't both coexist, I guess, was kind of what I got from what you were saying. And if you want to clarify your point, please do. But it's really, it's really stuck with me. And I've really thought about that a lot. And it's interesting that it's playing out here in, in some sort of way. Like that's, you know, kind of the interconnectedness of the, of the universe, I think manifesting itself here, but it's also played out in my personal life recently. So it's just interesting that that's like here in this space. Yeah, that was mostly what I said. I, it was more like that everyone showing up in their fullness is bound to rub someone else the wrong, like 
there's you're never gonna please 100 percent of people 100 percent of the time and you're never gonna make 100 percent of people feel comfortable 100 percent of the time so is the utopian world that we're actually thinking could exist ever actually going to exist and in our case with the forum we actually lost a member by me no longer holding my tongue about what was going on so like that was an extreme case of like oh my tongue can literally kill but then she rose from the dead and came to the last thing Actually, hilariously, as soon as I finished speaking, she joined the last thing. So I was like, there is clearly something in the system about her just not being able to hear me, which is whatever. Um, not my shit to hold. Um, but I think that that's just, yeah, interesting. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to use those sound effects. An interesting, um, yeah, an interesting take of like, yeah, maybe not that extreme, but just knowing that everyone's fullness is never going to sit right with everyone. Mm-hmm. So can we really all show up authentically and get along and respect one another and be this utopian place that we would like to ideally see or that we have in our chosen communities um but that are obviously our chosen communities because they're excluding somebody else yeah that's so helpful I feel like that brings forth then what maybe I was sitting with but couldn't put words to is like there is inherent risk in shifting ourselves to shift the spaces because you can't please everyone all the time and yet wouldn't we rather I'm talking to myself when I say this be liked or loved or appreciated or hated because of our authenticity rather than some other manifestation created by the powers that be. That's always been my philosophy. I know. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I really like uh, where where both of you are going with this because I think for me, you know, where where I join in it is that I've become more aware that and you mentioned you shared it perfectly, uh, Amber, about the utopian piece. Is that for so, sometimes I think when we talk about social justice issues, we think that there's going to be this utopian experience where everyone is just going to be a okay with everything and everybody, and everyone's going to be woke and everyone's going to have the lingo down, and we're all going to be great. And I think the reality of it which is what I think the non-binary conversation brings to group relations is that uh, no, that is not going to happen like at all. Like that tension between what we want, what we desire and the reality of things is going to always be there. And so having a capacity, you know, to be able to recognize that, be okay with that and then still show up in your authentic self for everything that we that we have to bring to the table um, is, I mean, that that's, that's the, I would say the journey of just being human, which is one thing that I really like about group relation experiences, group relation conferences, um, is that it, it always comes back to a human condition type space. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, the other piece around, around what I, what you shared and it kind of brings me back again to this idea of the creative tension and, and the creativity that can emerge from going into these di- different spaces, which can give us new roles, new ways of showing up, new ways of being, new ways of interacting with people. Yeah, new new roles, right? So in, in my experiences of group relations and just in life period, especially as we start to talk about, you know, the non-binary it's there's a lot of group 
versus group. And then there's like the intergroup. So I'm curious what what's that look like at, at a conference specifically? I mean, you know, for me, when I heard about the experience about calling out dynamics of, well, three black people just spoke, the, uh, maybe the instructor or the facilitator is black and calling out these, these things, these dynamics, I thought about, well, I'm like, okay, well, is that happening? Because I identify as a man in this group with other men in this group or as a black male in this group or as a black person in this group. And I'm identifying with other black people in the group. And so you choose a side unconsciously, subconsciously, or even consciously. And so when you choose that side, that, you know, that comes out and that shows. And so I guess, you know, at what point do you start thinking a little bit more than just the group you're identifying with and how that may unconsciously be bringing more harm to the other groups that you may not be inclusive to? Yeah. Well, I would turn it back on you, Mr. Emmanuel, because I would like to hear where you fall. Where do you where where do you make that delineation for yourself? Like, do you catch yourself in the moment? Is it something that you usually notice in retrospect? Like, I mean, in the moment, um, I think the dynamics that stand out for me, and this speaks more to the identi- the identities that I identify with most, is being black, being male, um, and possibly being you know educated. So, and, and a dad, right? Like, and there's more down the list, but when I walk into a room, I may not identify as being a dad until I learn maybe there's some other dads in the room. And so then that gets turned on for me. So it's like, well, why wasn't that turned on for me before I came into the space? And so I, all of that speaks into intentions, right? Like when you go into a space, what do you think you want? How do you want people to perceive you? Right. And that's going to come off because, you know, as much as I guess, unless as as intentional as you are about that, but most times people don't perceive us the way that we want uh, to be perceived. And so that has a lot to do with other people, their projections and and all these things. Um, But you get you get put into a box. So I already put myself into a box mentally, internally, and then there's other people putting me in other boxes. And so. I think what happens there is that's where people kind of don't talk much, don't speak out much, don't start saying things because it just shows where you've categorized yourself, where you've put yourself. But I think it should be okay. I think it should be okay to be able to talk and say, hey, I'm struggling with this thing. I struggled with the non-binary identity and now I'm trying to make as much space for it as I can by putting myself around folks, asking folks about certain ways that they identify without it coming off as being microaggressive um, or harmful, you know, and sometimes it may come out that way. But the the truth is that I'm authentic in that back and forth, in that interaction. So I, I know I said a lot there, but I'm hoping that folks can, you know, I hope that folks can resonate with the fact that you're going to make mistakes when we're, we're, we're trying to figure this out but with what Rod said about being a human, like for me, that's where it starts. And then I want to see all the parts that make you a human. Mm-hmm.
there's a part of me, Manny, that feels like you're asking for a pass for being. No, I, it's it's not a pass on being. Oh, I was about to say because I'm like. So, I was joking. I was. I was joking. Okay. Okay. I was joking. <laughs> I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> I was I joking. Know. Manny, Manny, you see me on Zoom. You see me on it, Zoom, okay? This is the you passion that I there. can't compartmentalize, you know what I mean? Which is so crazy to me. So I, I struggle with that. And I'm I'm a big humorous person, so it's kind of hard. I couldn't tell. You had caged and, and sanctioned off that part of your who you are, the fact that you're a comedian. Okay, don't don't read too much into that either, please. Don't. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so, anywho, oh, I think. Oh uh, no. <laughs> yeah, about that time. But just as Manny's trying to figure himself out, he, so the oh no piece is, is Manny is having some technical difficulties. But I don't want to lose the point though of what he was sharing, and, and to just extend on that just a little bit to say that. You know, what Manny was speaking to is, is really an extension of what we have all been speaking to about the capacity to be able to uh, learn, you know, about all these different levels to the human experiences that present themselves in group relations conferences, in this conversation around the non-binary, in a setting around social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, it it and because you know group relations conferences are you know experiential learning you know events uh learning comes with making mistakes just as well and and as much as they come with you know um successes so it's something to kind of highlight there yeah and what i was gonna say too before we lost manny but is i was gonna you know, bring into the conversation when this topic of the non-binary identity came up, we specifically talked about the conversation being about being able to identify the non-binary pieces within yourself, no matter who you are. You don't have to be part of the LGBT community to be non-binary. And I think, you know, that's relevant in all of the identities that we talk about and the ones that we don't is like, can you find that piece of the other person in you in some capacity? And that sounds crazy. I think sometimes to people that are in this space where people will say like, can you find the black man inside of you? Or can you find like, you know, the, the child inside of you or the artist or the, this or the, that. And you're like, what? You're white. There's not a black man inside of you, but you know, there's all this, we're, the idea is like, we're all of the same, you know, being at the end of the day, like the same making, we all came from the same place originally, whatever that is. Um, And I think that we can do a better job of connecting if we can, again, bring it down to the personal level to find other people within ourselves rather than just projecting onto them, which is a defense mechanism as we talk about in group relations spaces. Right. And, you know, one of the things you just mentioned, uh, Lauren, that I really like is that you're also are painting a picture around like the different experience levels that people have, have, you know, within group relations. So when we first come into a conversation around non-binary, you know, that conversation gets lodged into the group of the LGBTQ 
you know, community. And, and people, you know, if they are looking at the more salient characteristics, they'll sit there and go, oh, well, that's not me. Oh, well, that's not me. Oh, well, that's not me. And the question is, you know, to your point, and more experienced members in group relations will go, instead of saying, that's not me, you know, which is someone who's new to the conversation, a more experienced person will say, well, where is that in me? Yes. And so that I, I love the way that you highlighted that. So I just wanted to, to bring that full circle too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing, right? Like with regard to anti-racism work, it would be so easy as a liberal white person to, you know, be like, I'm not the problem. But when you really start getting into it, as I've talked about, and as I will continue to talk about, there's actually all of these racist things that I have done that I think that I have to unlearn constantly. Like, but if I just went with the belief that like, I'm not racist, I've never done anything racist, I'm a liberal white person, then I, I rid myself of the responsibility. I like abdicate responsibility for having to do work to create like a better world that ha- that is not a racist world because that's not in me. But if I can identify that and try and do different and try and do better and change my actions because I can identify in that way, then now I can interact in a totally different way. Welcome back, Manny. We missed you. Hey, I'm happy to be back. Um, I missed y'all as well. Thank you for holding the space for me to come back. I, um, I was thinking about something that as of recently where you, first of all, when we do this work and we start talking about anti-racism, you know, it's really heavy on black, white, and it gets super heavy, right? So I think the other piece about it is to get away from that and still to resonate with this other sense of privilege. For me, I've looked at it and said, well, with privilege, it seems like once you identify as having it, it kind of feels like a struggle to accept that you have that privilege. Now, I think that is subjective for sure. And yet at the same time, if I uh, am an able-bodied person and I come across someone who's completely disabled, like physically I can see it and all these things, it is hard for me because in, in some sense, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm more privileged than this person. You know, um, some people in the military talk about um, not labeling or not naming uh, disability that they have because they feel like it's such a strong label. And in that label, they're like able-bodied people. They can still do things, but on paper, they're identified as disabled. And so mentally, mm-hmm. I think it puts the, it, it, it places this um, stigma. And I'm like, well, between someone in the military having that experience and someone who, who is physically disabled that I can see, that person who's in the military in a sense, has a privilege to be able to hide that identity or not mm-hmm. identify with it where there are folks who are just actually cannot have that option to say, to, 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 to do that. And so in that, you find privilege, right? So in that, I find privilege, even being educated, right? But the thing about that is, it's like, well, that's weird because I had to work hard for that education, but now I am privileged for sure. And so with the privilege comes power essentially, in some format or way. So now that you have this power, is it 
is it is it is it is it helpful because when we go and exercise that power right so now let's say um you know we want to hire more black people or people of color does that mean that in a pool of applicants i'm still going to overlook anyone that doesn't have that identity and in that same vein am i still just doing the same thing that the system before was doing, but now making it work according to the power and the privilege that I have to do that, to make those decisions? I think, Manny, that you are offering uh, what our next episode is going to be about. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because, I mean, it. there's a lot, as you just shared, there's a lot in the, in the question that you, the, 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 or what you're, you know, are discussing here or offering here. Um, and as, you know, we were talking about in this conversation, this idea of bringing in the non-binary for it to be nuanced uh, and, and nuance, bringing in nuanced conversations in social justice matters. Um, I think one of the things or one of the places where this can get deep really quick, and I think there's a really rich discussion around it, is when you suddenly realize oh my goodness, I have privilege. And then there's the question of, well, now what do I do with that? And and I think that that might, I don't want to lose the, the conversation on the non-binary piece that we were talking about today, especially, you know, as we have talked about it already uh, at a pretty good length. Um, but definitely would like to spend uh, a lot more time on like, well, what happens when you discover that in your non-binary space that you actually are on the binary side of privilege um, versus the non-privileged space. And I think we can go in a, a lot of directions. Uh, so tune in next time. Same bad channel, same bad time. Right. And I guess on the flip side too, if you already know or you've learned a long time ago that you're very privileged, how do you in our different social identities, right? Because learning that you have privilege means something different depending on your other like social locations or identities, you know? So I guess that's a nuanced conversation in and of itself too. But I think what I, I have really taken from this conversation has been really helpful to talk this out with you guys in a way that I wasn't even expecting it to necessarily go to was just the reminder that like, in order for GR spaces or the world to be different, it requires continued vulnerability and a, a concerted effort to bring forth pieces of myself that I might not otherwise bring forward, even if I have to kind of force it at first or learn a different way of doing it to push my own boundaries of what I feel comfortable sharing or not. And in doing so, even though it's risky, and yes, you'll lose some people or people will project things onto you that it's really powerful and important to do that. And I think in a cliche way, that's a similar message, but I feel like I felt that in this conversation of like, okay, how can I bring this forward and try and continue to work on showing up authentically, even when that feels really hard. Yeah. I'll join you with that, Lauren, and, and offer, you know, what I'm taking away from this conversation that I wasn't expecting to get. And that was the, uh, how relevant and how available that, the, the, that this non-binary space is within my life and the creative tension 
that is is there. You know, the tension that's there and then the potential to create, you know, in that tension, something new. Um, it's something I have known, but I haven't had it land quite as clear for me as we have really expanded upon it in this conversation. For me, the takeaway was really just being able to recognize um, non-binary identities, like as a, a real, a real thing and to create the space for it. And when it, when it faces you question, just ask the questions, um, that help you to, to learn about where you're at with the process, not asking questions that make someone else do the work and tell you all about how they came to fruition and, and all these other things. It's more about learning, like, where are you at with, with it? And what are you struggling with? What am I struggling with accepting or being open or, or sitting with the non-binary identities alongside any other identities that may not quote unquote be normal to me in my upbringing? Anything else, fam? Good. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening and joining us on this journey of Beyond the Boundaries, a group relations podcast, and we hope that you will tune in next time.